Welcome to The Interview, a thought-provoking podcast, a place to listen and get curious, a platform for the hard conversations where we discuss the human experience and adversity. Somewhere you can come for a laugh, learn something new and connect with people you have never met before. Let me show you that we all have a story and something to say, but most of all, you are not alone. Hello and welcome back to the interview. My name is Tess and I'm your host. Today we are hearing from Crystal. She is an audiologist and runs the Instagram page Early Ears Education. She is also married to a paramedic and this episode we speak about what it's like to be married to someone on the front line, what it's like to navigate those hours, how lonely it can be, mental health effect for both parties, what it's like navigating becoming a parent and starting a family with shift work, something that so many of you I'm sure can relate to or we all know someone that or couples that are in that position. Um also, I did mention in this episode, fly in, fly out families. You know, I have friends who have been in that position. I would love to have somebody on who has a partner who is fly in, fly out, particularly someone who has children and works around that kind of roster because this is kind of similar, but obviously not the same. So if that's you, please reach out to me. I'd love to chat with you. But Crystal kindly offered to come on the podcast and just explain what it's like to be in her position, how she feels bad for complaining or feeling sad about certain aspects of this job and how it affects their family and that she wishes that she could listen to, you know, like all of us, wishes that there was someone out there speaking about this so she didn't feel so alone. I know that I felt super validated listening to her and obviously my husband isn't a paramedic, but just having um, a lot of solo parenting time over the years when it comes to your husband's work and, and it being necessary and not what everybody wants, but what needs to happen. And I could really relate to her on that. And, you know, the feelings of resentment that can build if you don't um, nip those in the butt and become aware of those things. Anyway, I'm rambling now, but please enjoy Crystal Atkins. Welcome, Crystal. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited that we've finally, I feel like we've been talking about this for a little while about making this happen and it's finally happening. Yeah. It's always hard to line up calendars and having children and things like that. (laughs) Exactly. And you've got um, a small baby. Is that right? Yeah. He's seven months old now, seven months, two days ago. So I keep in my head, he's still six months. (laughs) Yeah. So excited. Is he your, you've got other children? No, he's our first. How exciting. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, now I'm going to ask you the question I ask everybody first. What do you find impressive? I took so long to think about this question because it is so hard to answer. It's There's so many um, layers to it. But I think for me, something that I find impressive and I value in everybody is people who are just genuine and caring. And yeah. I'm just attracted to people who want to make the world a better place but don't necessarily expect anything for it um I I just think that's so impressive isn't that like the ultimate yeah personality trait I suppose absolutely yes and and that like kind of ties in with being super I don't know if it's like selfless or self-aware where like you're checking in on other people and you know it's so draining being around people that aren't like that and are kind of only about themselves so like you said when they're genuine and kind and looking out for others I really appreciate appreciate that in a person too absolutely I think like just I want to I like when 
what you see is what you get with people and you're not having to think, oh gosh, what, what are they really thinking? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, being genuine, hundred percent. Yes, I agree. Now, can you tell us about your childhood? What was life like for you growing up? My childhood was pretty complicated. Um, like, yeah, it's, it's something that I've probably only come to terms with quite recently. Um, my parents got divorced pretty early on. I think I was only five or around that. Um, and there were definitely some difficult years growing up in terms of money and housing instability and things like that. So yeah, I probably categorize it as time of challenges, I suppose. Um, but honestly, I'm really proud of who I've become. And I do think it really, it had a huge impact on who I am um, today and probably also why I value genuine caring people as well. Yeah. And have you, I know that your baby is only seven months old, you just said, but do you feel like, I don't know, I always think since I've become a parent, I really reflect much more on my childhood and just certain situations and how, I don't know, if you have a picture, you know, if you and your husband were to separate, how that would affect your child and kind of have a bit of more compassion for yourself and little you. Yes, like in a child. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think I've got a lot more empathy for my parents and more of an understanding of they were genuinely doing the best that they could do um, because everybody does want the best for their child. Um, and, yeah, I, I, it really has, It they say it changes how you see the world and, yeah, it changes yeah. how you see the world, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely, for sure. And and that continues to for me personally. So I'm sure it will be the same for you as the older your little man gets. I know. The little boy, what... isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We're just at the beginning. So who knows what's around the corner? <laughs> yeah. No, it's the best though. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you became a clinical audiologist? Yeah. So I I think most audiologists kind of fall into it. I don't think anyone really grows up saying they want to be an audiologist because probably no one has any idea what that actually is. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I studied biomedical science and I absolutely loved it. I did start working in like a microbiology lab and it was great, but I just had this sudden realisa- realization that I had to work with people and I love that interaction. I love the conversations and also helping people. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of frantically <laughs> was looking around at all these postgraduate courses I could do in some form of allied health and came across audiology. And I was really fortunate that um, one of my friend's parents was an audiologist. So I went and shadowed her for half a day and I was like, yes, this Love is it. it. Yeah. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about what it is, like what an audiologist does? Yeah. So... I always struggle with explaining this. My husband always says, oh, she's she's kind of like an ear doctor. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> um, but basically we deal with um, assessing hearing and we do hearing tests. We check on the ear health. We'll, we deal a lot with hearing aids. Um, some of us will specialize in pediatrics or vestibular, so like balance issues as well. Um, and we work in lots of different environments. So things like hospitals, private practice, rural outreach there's all sorts of places you can work yeah 
Yeah. Wow. I don't know why when I first read audiologist, it made me think of speech, which I don't know why I thought that because obviously ears and hearing, but I'm sure that there's a connection between like, I know I've had friends and family go through where there's a speech delay and it's connected to the hearing. So yeah, it's quite interesting. Yeah. So speech and audiology are really intertwined, especially if we're dealing pediatrics. Mm -hmm. Um, So where I studied at Melbourne University, the the building is a speech and audiology building. So we're all like working together. together. Yeah. 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 Lovely. <laughs> and yeah, a lot of the time children will get a hearing test before or during speech therapy. Yeah, that makes sense. Now we're going to speak today about you and your husband and him being a paramedic and, you know, what life is like. And I really um, appreciate you offering to discuss this because it's something that I'd never really thought about and a perspective that I'd never really thought about. And like you said, you don't really often hear um, the partner's perspective, like when someone's working on the front line and in the job, like your partners or your husband's. Um, so first off, how did you and your husband meet and what drew you to each other? We actually met on Tinder. <laughs> nice. <laughs> is Tinder even still a thing? I don't think it is. I mean, I have no idea, but um, I think so. I think okay. So. All right. Well, we're not too old then. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we met on Tinder, um, which was it's hilarious because I love saying that we have a Tinder baby now. <laughs> <laughs> you do. We do. We've got a Tinder baby. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah so I, I it's really hard because I think when you meet on Tinder, like the way that you're drawn to people is so different um, to if you met, met in more traditional ways, I suppose. Um, but at the time he was a volunteer firefighter and on his profile it said like he was studying paramedicine at university. Um, so it probably goes back to the things I, I found impressive in him was that I could tell he was someone who um, wanted to help other people and like knew the world was bigger than just him. Yeah. Um, so that's probably what drew me to him initially. Obviously then we met and things uh, developed from there. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, th- I think we, we were drawn to each other really quickly, um, which is something I never had experienced before. I didn't really think it was a thing to be honest. Cause I'm, I'm very like logical and structured. So getting kind of wrapped up in this whirlwind is not like me, <laughs> um, but I think, we, we both had very similar upbringings. We had very similar experiences and values. So we just clicked. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, I think we even like, we knew we both discussed, like we wanted family like really early on mm-hmm. <laughs> and we we're quite young at the time. I don't even know how old we were. <laughs> I don't know. Like early twenties. Yeah. So yeah. 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 Similar values. It sounds like, especially, I know it's not the same kind of work that you both do, but how you are essentially help both helping people. And it sounds like you're very similar in that way. Yeah. We definitely have very similar values in terms of what we want to put out into the world. And um, yeah, definitely. I think that was something we discussed really early on. Uh, from memory. <laughs> yeah. Can you describe what life was like before your husband became a paramedic? How did your impressions of paramedics change once he started working in that industry? Hmm. Life was a lot easier before he was a paramedic. Um, 
like weekends were weekends and weekdays or work days were work days and that's something that we no longer have whatsoever um and I I think things were a lot simpler um I was the breadwinner for a long time though so he would he started university quite late um so he obviously still worked but I was the main income and so things are very different now. Obviously, I'm on maternity leave and he's working more than full time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's very different to how it was prior um, in terms of how my impressions have changed. I think I had a really idyllic view of what it meant to be a paramedic and what a career in paramedicine was and what that might look like for us as a couple or as a family in the future. Um, and I knew, I knew it would be hard and I knew it would kind of define our lives in a way, but I don't think I understood it. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. (laughs) It does because I guess I'm thinking about what I think it would be like. And then there we are. It's kind of, it's not the same, but similar to owning a business and, you know, with my husband, I guess everyone has this idea of what they think it's like and they think you're so rich and all of this. And it's not like that at all. So I can only imagine that I would, you know, picture him being a paramedic one way and then the reality of it and shift work. And I'm sure we're going to get into it, but all of those things and how that impacts you guys as a couple and now new parents. Yes, yes, definitely. And I think one one big thing for me was that I... I knew there would be risks associated with the job and in my mind that was like physical and environmental risks but the reality of it is that being a paramedic and really any kind of frontline work mental um mental things are the biggest risk yeah to those workers and families as well um and it's something that is really scary yeah yeah and something that you can't control like you have zero control over that yeah yeah it's really it's a it's a big um I don't I don't want to say problem because a lot of the services are doing a lot to try to support their paramedics and um that definitely shouldn't go unnoticed um but it is it's a huge challenge yeah, I can imagine. What is unique about parenting with a paramedic? Can you share some of the challenges you face and how you often how often do you find yourself solo parenting? Mm, how long do we have? <laughs> <laughs> this honestly, this is the biggest thing. Um I think it was hard already and it was challenging already, but becoming parents has really magnified everything like it does with anything, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Um, And if I'm honest, I don't think we really both understood totally what we were signing up for in terms of parenting around that really intense shift work and also just the job itself. Um, He sacrifices so much. And I I talk, you know, I'm probably going to talk a lot today about like my feelings around it and my experiences but I also like I really want to um highlight that that he he sacrifices so much he misses so much quality time with us with our son um and I know it's really painful for him a lot of the time 
Yeah. He talks a lot about, you know, missing milestones and important dates and all of these things that it's inevitable, um, but it's it's quite painful for him to think about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So even even when he's home, he's not often home during, like, family time. Mm-hmm. Um, so he might get home at midnight or maybe 6 a.m. as my son's waking up, uh, my partner's then going to bed. Yeah. So a lot of the time where it will be, yes, it looks – like it looks like on paper he's home, he's not. Yeah. He's he's sleeping because he just worked 14 hours. Yeah. Um, so for me, I spend more time solo parenting than I would like. Um, yeah. yeah. I was just gonna say, and not to mention, I'm sure trying to keep quiet and things like that. Is that another aspect of it? Yeah, our house is like fairly small. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's a challenge. Um mm-hmm. trying to entertain Bob and you know not make him be quiet obviously and trying to manage that so yeah, yeah there's there's all sorts of things that come along with it um something that I struggle with um is that it, it feels very alone um a lot of the time like it's very lonely um and I think a lot of that comes from that I I feel like so many of my amazing mum friends don't understand it and don't don't uh, don't really grasp how just how frequently I solo parent um but then I also have this big hang up where I don't want to complain because there are so many amazing single parent families out there um and both me and my partner grew up in divorced homes yeah and I have this hang up where oh some people are solo parenting all of the time yeah so who am I to complain and that's something that I really yeah I really struggle to come to terms with that because I found myself especially when I was very new mum seeking like validation for the way I felt and, and I couldn't really find a whole lot And then it got me like, I think, oh, am I alone? Yeah. Am I the only partner who feels this way? Um, Who's partnered with a frontline worker? And it's, yeah, it's complicated. It is because you are allowed to feel that way. And I mean, I, I don't know. I know for myself personally, like I've experienced times where my husband's been working so much that I'm like, I'm, you know, doing so much by myself and not because our husbands don't want to be there and help you, but mm. it doesn't take away from, I don't know, like, yeah, there are single parents out there and I, I am the same. My mum was a single mom. I don't know how she did it. And in those moments you're like, wow, like I have so much admiration and appreciation for the people that do do that. But I guess in your situation and my situation, it's not what you, um, like you are in a marriage and you are in a family unit, but you're also living <laughs> like you're not. So it's, it's hard because, you know, you, especially after the last three years, I'm sure, with COVID and everything, it's like people would expect you to just appreciate that your husband has a job and is working and all of those things, but it doesn't take away from like you're a first-time mum navigating this solo a lot of the time and that's probably not what you pictured when you thought about being a mum years and years ago, I'm sure. Yeah, and that's a really good way of putting it is it's 
yeah, I, I can be very grateful, but also um, I suppose almost mourn a picture of what I hoped family life would look like at the yeah. same time. Yeah. And something that I've talked about with a few people is that I think one reason that I find it really hard is I get into this really great routine with my son where we we almost have to be kind of strict about our routines as a means of like survival, I suppose, for both of us. So we're just able to manage everything that comes along with just me. And then it's a really huge challenge when my partner is home and I have to then hand that over and uh, like kind of stop. Yeah. Um, because then you're almost living two lives a lot of the time. Yes. There's days or weeks on end where I'm practically completely by myself and then all of a sudden I'm having to share decision-making. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's hard. Yes. And, you know, that's reminding me a lot of um, a friend of mine whose husband worked um, fly in, fly out, FIFO, well, however you say it, um, I would be really interested to speak to anyone that wants to come on and speak about that because I feel like it would be kind of similar where she would say, you know, like you miss them and they're gone for weeks and weeks and weeks and then they kind of come back in and disrupt <laughs> the rhythm and the routine that you've got going because, you, like you said, you've had to survive, you've got everything in place so that you can get through and then it's like trying to work this other person back into the mix. Yeah, so tricky because you're so excited to have them around and you love having them around. But then at the same time, you're like, oh, it's kind of almost easier when you're not here it, because we've we've gotten so used to it, which is sad. Yeah. And then is there an element, I'm not, I'm sure for me, like it would be like, I also want to go now have some time to myself. So then you're like, you're not really around him or I don't know. I'm sure you do a bit of both, but you're probably yeah. so desperate for a moment to yourself as well. Yeah. It is really hard to balance like family time versus, okay, you're home. I'm going for a drive or something. Like I just need some me time. Um, And he is really good about um, trying to make sure I get that um, when, when we can. So yeah, we, we, we need to get better at family time. That's something that I definitely can recognize that we are not as great as we should be. Um, But I think at the moment, because our son is so young, it's a bit easier to get away with it. Yeah. Yeah. When he's older, then you might, um, there might be higher on the priority list than it is right now. Exactly. Yeah. What kind of um, roster does your husband have? Is it like a four on four off kind of situation or? Yeah, it's, it's difficult. So it's kind of four days on and then four days off. But because of the way the shifts work, it's not really that. So I'll I'll bore you with the details of it. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, there's no typical week. So the roster is rotating. So he'll usually work two days and then the next day is an evening shift, which is about 11 a.m. to 11 p.m. And then the next day is a night shift. So it's basically two days, two nights. Yeah. Um, but... Then what that means is that first day off is obviously sleeping all day. Um, So he kind of will have two days off in a week, but there's this thing that we refer to all the time that's called sleep debt, and it's just the fact that he's had no sleep and been working like 16-hour shifts all week that 
one day often isn't actually enough to actually catch up on all of that sleep. So it's it's really complicated and he does a lot of overtime as well. So yeah, it, it can be quite um, not, yeah, it can be pretty intense. <laughs> yeah, it, it probably sounds like, oh, that's great, like four days off, but it's not really four days off and then he's probably not his best self on those days. Like you said, he's going to sleep the first whole day and then he's coming off a night shift. I I, I know friends that have done shift work and it, it takes like days. It's like you just start feeling better and then you go back into the rotation again. Yeah. So that's the thing. Like usually I find his last day off before we go, he goes back is when he's really good and he's gotten back on track with his sleep and he's, he's back to a normal night day cycle. Um, and we'll do something then as a family and then he's back at work the next day. Um, and that's providing he hasn't done any overtime, of course. Um, yeah. yeah. But it's something I struggle with because I actually feel like, I don't know, I, and this could be all in my head, but sometimes I feel like a little bit of maybe judgment from others. Like I get the idea that they think he's he's sleeping too much or he's not helping around the house enough or helping with our son enough um and no one's really said that to me but there's always comments of oh he's asleep or oh we haven't we never see him and Mm -hmm. things like that but then I I mean they don't see that like he just worked 15 hours after working another three days before that probably didn't get a meal break in those 15 hours and potentially spent the evening telling a family that their loved one had passed away. Um, And it's something I struggle with. I think appearances um, and it not looking like a normally normal, normal quote unquote family. Yeah. Yeah. And the people's perception of what it's like versus what it actually is like for you guys. Yeah. Um, And yeah I don't know (laughs) I don't know how to explain it but it's something that like I carry and it feels really heavy a lot of the time that um because I'm so proud of him and I know how hard he works and I just want other people to know that yeah um but he's not the kind of person that um likes to talk himself up or anything like that so I don't think anyone really knows just how much he's doing yeah yeah, it, I I can't even fathom like, and he wouldn't even know what he's going to face that day, and then processing it all and back to back jobs. I just can't even mm. begin to imagine. When your husband has difficult cases or experiences on a job, how do you support him through that process? So it changes with every job, I think, and it also changes with every person. So what my partner needs from me is probably very, very different to what another healthcare worker or another emergency services worker would need. Um, And also I think it's really important for me to admit that I probably don't have it completely right yet Um, and it's evolving all of the time. But I think what I've learned over the years is that generally what he needs is time to decompress. And that might look like laziness to some people. And that's another thing where I get really nervous about other people's perceptions because he might need to sit and watch TV for an hour when he gets home because I can't even fathom what he saw that day or that night. Um, And that's okay. That's something that I am 
wanting to support him with. You know, I'll do things like I'll remind him I'm here. I remind him that if he wants to talk, of course, I'm more than willing to listen. Um, Remind him of the services that he's got available to him through his workplace if it is something like really serious and he might need some extra support. Um, But, yeah, giving him that time to decompress I think is something that I definitely didn't do at the start. I was like, you have to talk to me, you have to get it off your chest, and that's not at all what he needs. And he talks a lot about not wanting to burden me, um, which I think is very, very common amongst emergency services that they don't want to burden their family with the things they've seen or had to do. And I... I genuinely feel like I could listen and I could be okay with it, but that's his decision to make on um, whether he shares shares that information with me or not. Yeah. So, yeah, just letting him do what he needs to do, whatever yeah, that might be. Letting him decide and, yeah, he might not want to relive some things. I, that would be so hard and I know if it were my husband, I'd be like, no, I want to know. Like tell me so I can know what's going on in your brain and, yeah, that would be so tricky. It's tricky and also I think as humans we've got like this, unfortunately, like this morbid fascination with things as well. Mm-hmm. It's really hard for me if he'll say, like he might give me like the little blurb on something that happened and I'm like, oh, gosh, I really want to know the details of that. But then I have to check myself and realise that I'm not doing that because I, I'm trying to support him. I'm just like, oh, my gosh, I have to know. Yes. Yeah. That sounds like a crazy story. I, I need to know that. Yeah. Um, And that's something that I have to be really conscious of because it's it doesn't come naturally to me I'm someone who asks questions I want to know give me all the details and I can't I can't do that yeah and it's something that yeah it's come up a lot (laughs) yeah and learned over time and never evolving I can imagine definitely took some time I think another thing in terms of like dealing with difficult experiences is also knowing that um it may pop up at another time so um, you may think it's dealt with and he's a very mentally strong person, um, but things things come up. Like he something can trigger it and he's remembering it and it's a very scary experience for him. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'll put a bit of a trigger warning here. I'm not going to give any details, but with the birth of my son, so we'll talk a little bit about birth trauma, I suppose, so a bit of a trigger warning there. Um, my son took quite a while to breathe when he was born and I'm sure it wasn't that long, but to us, it felt like an eternity. Um, and unfortunately the only birth that my partner had attended as a paramedic was very traumatic and the baby actually unfortunately didn't survive. So he was instantly transported back into that moment and, I think it took quite a while for him to process what happened in that moment and the fact that he had this light switch where he was instantly transported back to this awful situation and it was then impacting his amazing moment um, Mm -hmm. and his family life and his memory making. Um, There's also this little sprinkle of some trauma. Yeah. Um, And that's something that, like we have to be mindful of moving forward that um, because that was the first time that that had happened to him where he had this really vivid 
association I suppose yeah um and I'm very glad that he felt comfortable enough to talk to me about it obviously after the fact and down the track when I was I was personally recovered from the birth as well yeah and that's yeah it's something that I think we both probably didn't do enough to prepare for that potential uh, for that to potentially happen Mm -hmm. because I was aware of the previous experience um and it did impact on like birthing preferences that he felt comfortable with and um that was another sore point where I had lots of people saying it's not up to him like Mm -hmm. your birth is your birth which I totally agree with that but I do want to be respectful of any potential trauma and it's a birth of his son too I want him to be enjoying it yeah and he's seen it go other ways like you said so it's kind of fair enough that he has those fears and worries yeah so that was like a little tricky to navigate um in the early days but we settled on things that we were both comfortable with so I'm, I'm glad we discussed that aspect of things um but it's just a it's just a reminder that you know it's not necessarily coming home on that day and dealing with it in the moment there's always and this is something that we're going to have moving forward over the next however many years he works in the service for yeah um there's things that are going to come up yeah and like you guys could never have known that I'm so sorry that that happened that your son took a while to breathe I can't even imagine how scary that was but you would want to know that that was going to happen so you couldn't pre-prepare yourself for that exact scenario so it's like you said there's certain things you can prepare yourself for and some things you just don't know what's going to happen yeah it's the unknown and that's like it's the perfect reflection of his daily work as well it's it's just such an unknown he doesn't know what he's going to walk into on that day yeah that's tough you mentioned the importance of therapy for both of you can you talk a little bit about that and how it has helped you cope through the stresses of your jobs Yeah, so this is something that we're both quite big advocates for. I think um, historically there wasn't anywhere near the amount of support for emergency services and their families, Um, but we're very fortunate that his service um, does provide us with access to therapy. So he has access and his immediate family, so that includes me, obviously, our son as he gets older um so we have really great access which is a huge barrier for a lot of people so we're very fortunate um and I am thankful because I think it is absolutely necessary um so I personally see a psychologist regularly um and I often tell people like I I feel really mentally well if you want to call it that at the moment um I'm not seeing a psychologist for any particular reason. Yeah. Um, But I think being proactive and knowing that we are in a high-stress environment, he's obviously in a much more high-stress environment, Mm -hmm. but as a family we feel the ripple effects of that. Yes. Um, And I want to work really hard to make sure that I'm mentally well I'm dealing with any emotions that might be coming up from it and that it doesn't impact on our son. Um, 
So, you know, it might just be, and a lot of the time it is, I'm just venting. Like I'm just talking to the psychologist. I'm like, these are all the things that have like annoyed me in the last week. And um, none of my mum friends understand it because they're not in the situation. So I'm going to vent to you. (laughs) Yeah. And it's great. Love it. So good because I can imagine too. And like I said earlier, I can only relate in on a different level, but just like the resentment kind of could build up when, even though you know the the roster and you know this is what you signed up for, like doing things alone, like resentment can fester there. And then also like friends not understanding that's something that I've struggled with, and like it's it's hard because they how can they how can mm-hmm. they possibly? And I like a lot of most of my friends, their husbands or partners work tradey hours like in a home every night for dinner and it's um if you don't work through that yourself and and become okay with that yourself I can imagine that would really um yeah fester over time yeah and I'm so glad you brought up the word resentment because that is if I had to put a word to the theme of my therapy sessions it is (laughs) resentment yeah I it's so illogical and that's the point that is why it's so helpful to talk to it someone qualified because the resentment is huge he'll Mm. he'll be asleep for three hours after working you know like I said 14 hours or something like that and I can be sitting out here just stewing about (laughs) oh my gosh I'm so exhausted I can't believe he's sleeping right now the world is so unfair yeah um logically silly I know it is but also unfair. Like it feels it's unfair. Not fair. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not fair because it's our, we've got our baby that you're taking care of a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, it's tricky. And I also am very mindful of not wanting to vent about that resentment to outsiders because I am so worried about them already feeling, oh, I feel as if there's already some perception that perhaps he isn't. Um like helping as much as he should should be. Yeah. Um, so I really don't like having that discussion with others um, for that reason, basically. Yeah. So I think it's really amazing that you do. I didn't know that about the um, immediate family that, that you were able to access that too. So that's amazing. And I'm glad that you take advantage of that because you should, and it makes sense, like because it does affect everybody as a family unit, not just the person on the front line. That makes total sense. Yeah, definitely. How do you and your husband feel about the term hero often used to describe paramedics? Mm, I love this question because he has very strong opinions on it. Um, And I think our answers are probably slightly different from each other. So he he definitely doesn't like it. Um, I know it, it probably sounds cliche, but he will say we're just doing our job and he genuinely means that though. He would say it's absolutely no different from me going to work and cleaning wax out of someone's ear versus him doing CPR on somebody. Yeah. Which, I mean, he's right, but it's hard to not recognise how amazing it is. So I think my answer would be that I have so much admiration and respect for him and for other um, emergency services, anyone in healthcare, all of these amazing people. I have huge amounts of respect for them. Um, But hero probably isn't the right word. (laughs) Yeah. 
And he says things like it implies that we're superior to people, mm-hmm. which he would say, and I would agree, they're not. Mm-hmm. Um, they're doing amazing things, which absolutely should be recognised and they should be paid appropriately and they, you know, all of these things. Um, but Hero implies, I think, other things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's tricky. Yeah. And that, like, I'm just speaking for us. I mean, there might be other emergency services workers who disagree with me and that's totally okay. Um, everyone's entitled to feel how they want about the terms. Um, but, yeah, for us, I, it's not something we align with. Yeah. Is there is there something that would be preferred, like, in an ideal situation, if somebody was speaking to your husband, they're like, oh my gosh, like I'm trying to think what I would say. I'd probably put my foot in it completely, but you know, like I'm just, you know, admire the work you do or like, you know, I'm so impressed by it. Like, is there something that would be more acceptable, I guess, you know, in your opinion? I think at the end of the day, if you're like thanking them for something, you can never really say the wrong thing. Like he's going to appreciate any recognition and just knowing that what he did helped in some way. Um, so people definitely don't have to filter what they're saying, but I, they, I know he's always happy when a family will say like, thank you so much for taking care of whoever it might've been. Mm-hmm. Um, and like that means a lot to him uh, that people will reach out and say, thank you. Yeah. Um, so really it's as simple as that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's so interesting, like, thinking about it from the other side and from your perspective and his perspective. Like, you know, it's so easy to just throw anything out there. Finally, can you share some of the benefits being in a partnership where you both work in the medical field? Mm, I think it's um, it's definitely helpful as parents. So already in our little seven-month stint as parents so far, it's it's been super helpful. There's so many things that have come up where um, – one of us has had like the inside scoop on it and we can we can help each other out with it. So it's definitely really helpful. I think particularly like if our son is sick. So we unfortunately all had COVID at six weeks postpartum. Oh. Poor me. Awful, yeah. Oh, my gosh, it gosh. was the worst. Like right. anything is bad at six yeah. weeks postpartum. Yes, of course, um, <laughs> you poor thing. So, yeah, he brought that lovely present home for us um <laughs> and a six-week-old baby with COVID is awful yeah. too luckily our son was asymptomatic um but that didn't stop my absolute paranoia around it so it was super helpful he was you know able to listen to his chest and just manage the situation and that was so reassuring to me um and like that stuff comes up a lot you know he gets his first viral rash and I'm like oh my gosh we need to run to emergency like not really but (laughs) it's very helpful having someone who goes no I've seen I've seen sick babies um and he's okay and this is what we're going to do this is what we're checking and if this changes then we'll act um but you know this is where we are where we're at and I find that so helpful and then on the reverse of things like I have a lot more knowledge about milestones and normal development and um I can help out a lot with that side of things so he he'll go oh is that normal like he's making this weird noise and I'll be able to reassure him that it is so 
I think we work really well as a team. We've got diff- we come from different worlds, which combine really nicely. Mm-hmm. And he he loves to tell this story. He tells his, he tells me this all the time. He says that he he constantly keeps telling patients this now when he goes to like kids that being a parent has really changed him as a paramedic and his empathy, I suppose, for parents and what they're going through because he's always been someone who's so cool, calm, collected to the point that it annoys me. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, it's obviously it's a very positive trait for a paramedic. Yes. But he now tells all of his patients, well, not all of them, but he'll, he'll tell a lot of his patients that he's experienced the reverse. So he actually, he understands now where that sense of worry is coming from. So he, we, my son actually didn't pass his newborn hearing screen initially. And my poor partner was just beside himself and was so worried, thought he's deaf. He can't hear us. This is going to be really like life-changing. And he's, he tells everyone, he turns around and looks at me and I'm on the hospital bed just eating a muffin. <laughs> so you weren't stressed at all? <laughs> Not at all. And I was like, oh, yeah, I told you he wouldn't pass because we had a really quick birth and often babies don't pass when they have a really quick birth. And that's totally normal and totally expected. Um, and he was still beside himself because even though he had a professional saying, yeah, this is normal, he's fine, don't worry, he was still really anxious about it. Yeah. So it almost gave us this. I mean, not nice, but it gave us this good experience of being able to walk in each other's shoes um, in our prospective fields, I suppose, um, where, yeah, it's definitely something that hadn't happened before. He'd never had that moment of, are you sure though? Are you sure he's okay? Yeah, and understanding now like he's a new level of empathy unlocked for him of like, primal instincts and maternal instincts and why people react the way they do when their kids are unwell or hurt or sick. I mean, I'm sure you have a bit of an understanding, but like you said, him, I guess now picturing his son in those positions would just add a whole different layer. Yeah, he's definitely, uh, yeah, I would say his empathy has grown significantly. And he, he talks about this moment when we were home from the hospital, I think a day or two, and he went up the street to get some groceries for us and he said he just had this moment where he was standing there and looking around at the world and just went I get it now I Mm -hmm. get all of these people who are parents and they've got kids with them I get it Mm -hmm. and I thought that's just so profound (laughs) it is it is because it makes sense but maybe not to everybody you know Mm. yeah yeah I I totally understand that and it's amazing it can only be a good thing you know to gain more empathy I think it's a great thing I think so too. Last question. Is there anything else you would like to share about your experiences as a clinical audiologist or as a partner to a paramedic? Yeah, I think probably one thing I definitely want to make sure I make clear is that I wouldn't change it. He absolutely loves his career. He enjoys what he gets to do every day and I wouldn't ever want to take that away from him. Um, But I think I am also in this space where I've come to terms with the fact that it can coexist with these feelings of um, loneliness and, uh, yeah, just struggles with, with it as a whole. 
but also being super proud and super supportive of the of it. Yeah, it's it's a difficult situation, but I wouldn't change it yeah. at all. That's a really great point because I'm sure it would be easy for a lot of people to be like, well, do you know, get him to do something else if you're unhappy or you don't like it or, you know, all of those things. But you can enjoy the work and be happy for him to do it and be proud of him and still, yeah, sometimes things are just shit. Sometimes things, like there are elements to it that aren't ideal, but that's all part of it. Mm, Exactly. And I think one thing I didn't mention earlier was just that we do have this history where he sacrificed quite a lot for me to pursue my career really early on I might just tell the story because I I love this story yeah do it do it (laughs) so we had been dating for like three three or four weeks maybe and I got offered my like dream job in Bendigo and we were living in Melbourne at the time and I was like oh Bummer. It was really nice knowing him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's been Um, a great couple of weeks. (laughs) Cool, like great getting to know you, but bye. And he was just like, you have to take it. You have to take that job. We'll make it work. It's so fine. Like you have to take this job. It's everything you wanted um, and we'll be fine. And I was like, okay, sure, we'll we'll give it a go. Um, And we did it and it was fine. I I think it was about two years in the end that I was up there and he was still in Melbourne studying. And, you know, he we just sacrificed. He would come up when he could if he wasn't working and didn't have uni. I would come down to Melbourne if I could on the weekends and things like that, and we just sacrificed to make it work. And then I think when it came time for his career, I almost had this sense of, I have to repay the favour because he really, like, he barely knew me at that point. And we were hardly even, we weren't even, like, fully a thing yet. Um, And I had all these people saying, oh, yeah, they all say things like that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, cool. Uh, But, yeah, it, it worked really, really well. And I'm so appreciative of that because it's, um, I know how much it helped me to know that I had this partner just fully backing me yeah. to just smash my career and love my job and supporting me no matter what mm-hmm. to pursue that. And so I really want to make sure that he feels the same way and yeah. he has someone in his corner going, yes, you can do this. This is amazing. Go you. Yeah. And how different your lives and and your everything could have been if he you didn't have that support and he didn't back you and you didn't take the job like it is amazing and now that you are you have that same mentality um, for him and his career that's really beautiful that's a beautiful story I love it it's I, I honestly forgot about it until I was like reflecting on all of this yeah wow, and I like three believe- or four weeks I thought you were gonna say three or four years <laughs> <laughs> no literally wow. like we'd been talking you know for a little while but we weren't we were not together and we we went camping (laughs) together and he actually was helping me apply for the job while we were camping and we that is when we like officially got together yeah so it's pretty wild (laughs) you make a good team it sounds like and yeah your support I'm sure that he couldn't do it without the support from you now is he, yeah. um, does he know you're doing this and chatting yes. about this today? Lovely. I, I was like, I better get some permission. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I know, like we're talking about pretty like yeah. um personal stuff. So yeah, he was he was fully like go for it because he yeah. knows it's something that I really um I talk about a lot that I think there isn't enough people talking about the being being the person in the background yeah. of of the paramedic or of the emergency services worker. Yeah. Um and I would have loved to have been able to just relate to somebody especially when I was really early postpartum and just know that it's okay to feel this way and it is actually totally normal yeah um and like you can love it and hate it at the same time and that is okay absolutely and that's probably a beautiful thing to end on and I I say this a lot but I can just I'm sitting here now I'm like I'm gonna get so many messages and you're gonna get so many messages of women and partners who are like yes finally someone said it like I'm really grateful that you opened up about this and offered to come on and share because it's probably a super common experience I know I found myself relating to you and my husband isn't a isn't a paramedic but just (laughs) just that like being so committed and to their job and something that they have to be at all the time and it is hard to be um, on the sidelines and you know doing a lot on your own so thank you so much for sharing and speaking about that. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to because it is something that I'm just wanting to be like screaming from the rooftops. So I really appreciate that I had the opportunity. Thank you. Can you also just quickly um, tell our listeners where they can find you on Instagram? I will obviously link everything below, but you have an Instagram page, which is how we found each other. Could you just let us know a little bit about that? Yeah. So I, in my maternity leave, have been thinking about my career still a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> And I just started a page called Early Ears Education. So basically it's a pediatric audiology page just aimed at parents and giving information about children's ears and ear infections and hearing tests and all that sort of stuff because it's really, really common. Most children will have an ear infection and need a hearing test before they're five years old. Um, but there's like hardly any information online, especially on Instagram. Um, so I just decided to do that. Amazing. I'm already thinking of a couple of friends off the top of my head who will really benefit from checking out your page and getting info from you that struggle with that kind of thing. So I will be sure to tag all of that. Please go ahead and follow Early Ears Education. Awesome. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the interview. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love it if you follow us on Instagram, subscribe to the podcast, turn on the notification bell so you never miss an episode and leave a review. See you next week. Bye-bye.